Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Joe, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life, and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly, and it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. Welcome back for another episode of the Make That Money Honey podcast. I have the absolute pleasure of introducing one of my friends who I've recently met. She's currently down in Texas. Her name is Michaela McNatt. And Michaela is a trainer in neuro-linguistic programming, a master success coach and Reiki master. As many are hearing the call to make an impact in the lives of others, Michaela realized the need for training and education around how to safely guide a client through the depths of true transformation. Her NLP and coach certification program certifies students who feel they are on assignment to raise the frequency of the planet through coaching and healing. The program certifies students in NLP, hypnosis, and a variety of other healing modalities so they can do just this, both for themselves and the clients they serve. With her signature Release to Rise method, she helps her students and clients release the blocks at an unconscious level that have been holding them back so they can then embody the essence of their desires with ease and experience success in any area of their life. She works with her clients in many different ways, including the NLP and coach certification, and has also helped dozens of women who start to scale their online businesses in coaching and intuitively guide their way through their business mentorship program. Welcome, Michaela. I am Mm. so excited for this today. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so Michaela and I have actually done a few cross-collaboration coaching sessions just because we met organically through this mastermind that we're both a part of, and we just clicked instantly. Our energy was electric when we first jumped on our, our initial call, and oh, I have so many questions for you today, but if you could first start off by just explaining a little bit about what NLP is, because it's something that I've heard so much about. Our listeners are probably starting to hear more about it as well. It's becoming very popular. And I know people are getting amazing results through this kind of coaching and training. So we'd love to hear your take on it. Totally. Well, thank you again for having me. I'm super excited to just drop in with you. So grateful to know you. Uh, Just like what you said, like immediately when I saw your name in the Facebook group, I was like, I need to know this woman. She's up to amazing things. So I'm just super grateful to be here. Um, And yes, NLP, it is the buzzword right now. I feel like everyone um, is getting certified or taking a class or posting about it. Um, In the coaching industry, this is definitely a word that is, is, it's a buzzword. Everyone wants to get in on it. Everyone wants to do it. And as an NLP trainer, I'm just so excited about that because this field, this kind of set of tools, this set of modalities has been 
absolutely life-changing for myself and my clients. And the best way, there are many different ways that we could define NLP, but the one that I love the most is NLP is the field of modeling success. So we have this saying, anything you can do, I can model and I can also do. So whereas some um, teachings or some I don't want to bash on other teachings. That's not what I'm here to do. But sometimes we feel like it's it's maybe not possible for us or they have that thing because they have more experience or they grew up a different way or they have um, a certain background, which is why they have that success. But maybe I couldn't because I don't have that background. Whereas what I love about the field of neurolinguistic programming, it is all about modeling. We can take that successful individual and we can model their behaviors. We can model their beliefs. We can model their physiology. We can model the language that's going on in their mind. And then we can install that in ourselves. And if we can install the way they think, the way they be, the way they act, the actions that they take, the essence that they embody, then we can have the same exact thing too. So NLP is the field of modeling success. And through these various tools, modalities, exercises, kind of mindset, um, you know, techniques or um, yeah, techniques or exercises, we're able to do just that. Um, but that's my favorite definition. And we could go a little deeper if you want, but that's, that's a good starting point for sure. Yeah. Wow. I just, I just learned something because I thought I knew what it was until you explained it. And I know you and I have spoken about it before, but if I'm understanding correctly, it's also partly removing our limiting beliefs mm-hmm. of what we tell ourselves we're capable of and the restrictions that we put on our learning based on what we think is possible versus Mm -hmm. what's actually possible. Exactly that. So when I, you're right on it, when I got into the personal development field and what at first, you know, my entry point was just within my corporate career, how can I get a really good paying job? So when I entered, kind of dipped my toes into self-help, I saw so much about manifestation and just focus on what you want. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to focus on what I want. I'm going to dial into that vision. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to visualize it. But it didn't work. And no matter how hard I thought about it or focused on it or journaled on it, it still felt hard. The journey felt hard. It wasn't coming. The success wasn't coming. Same thing then in my business when I first started off. And the missing link was exactly what you just said, Sandra, the limiting belief portion. So through my years of doing all of this work, I've put together um, at my company, Magnify More, we've developed what we call our release to rise method. So we first have to release those limiting beliefs of I can't, I don't know, I'm not experienced, I don't have enough, I'm not worthy. And these aren't thoughts that we consciously say to ourselves. These are unconscious beliefs and stories that kind of appear in very interesting ways, which we can kind of talk about that today too. But it's these limiting beliefs that we first have to lovingly let go of and release. And from that place, we can then truly rise in frequency and be a vibrational match. And that's where some of the, you know, more traditional manifestation lingo comes in. I'm, you know, law of attraction, I'm a full believer in manifestation, full believer in, and it's much more easier to manifest what you desire when you no longer have decades worth of limiting beliefs, limiting stories, uh, identities that keep you small, right? So NLP, exactly that. It's a set of tools that allow us to do that release work of letting go of the limiting beliefs, 
the inner conflict, the negative emotions that keep us in that kind of small restricted place. And also NLP gives us tools to embody that new essence, to embody that new frequency, the identities of I am a success, the identities of I can have this, I am worthy, right? So it really supports us through that entire journey of releasing and then rising. Did that answer your question there? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny because I'm actually doing an exercise with one of my clients on just this. Uh, It's a couple that I'm working with and we're they're so committed to releasing their old money story. And mm-hmm. as you were talking about this, you know, I've got some questions written down today and that's exactly that. It was, it's so interesting about how we identify with how we used to be in the past or how we grew up. And we just think that that's all we're ever going to be capable of because we don't understand what's actually possible for ourselves Absolutely. when we, Absolutely. when, you know, when we do release these unconscious beliefs. So just on that note, how does somebody's own psychology directly impact their ability to earn and keep their money? Cause this is a money podcast, obviously. Totally. So what would you say is, is something that somebody's psychology would, would hold them back? Totally. So I want to start this conversation with the awareness that we are essentially walking sponges for the first several years of our life. Maybe you've had this conversation here, so it might be a a recap for some of you, but maybe this is new information for, for others. So let's just take a second to talk about that. From ages seven to eight-ish around that period of our life is when we're developing what's called our critical faculty. Some other teachings would maybe call it a critical factor. But essentially what this means is, imagine with me a gateway from your conscious mind. So the conscious mind is what's listening to us right now. Maybe you're driving, um, maybe you are sitting down with a cup of coffee. Your conscious mind is activated right now, right? You're listening to us. You're you're following what I'm saying, whereas your conscious mind or your unconscious mind, your subconscious is the part of you that is beating your heart, that is taking breaths, that is supporting your body upright. You don't have to think about those things. You don't have to tell your heart, okay, beat, okay, beat, right? It's just doing that. So your unconscious mind is the part of you that is maintaining all of those functions. And it's also the part of you that holds those beliefs, that holds your beliefs around money or beliefs about success. So back to this critical faculty part, the critical faculty is a gateway between your conscious and unconscious mind. So up until age six, seven, eight, that critical faculty wasn't fully developed. It was wide open. So everything that you saw, everything that you modeled, everything that your parents or guardians told you about money, you just absorbed like a sponge because you didn't have this critical thinking ability to say, oh, that's empowering. I'm going to take that in as belief or "Mm, that's maybe not the best for me. I'm going to leave that up until age seven to eight. you, You didn't have that ability. So you were this sponge. You just soaked it all in. Now, on the other side of that, right, once the critical faculty has been developed and now all of us, right, we can be walking down the street. And if someone says, your outfit's ugly, you could say, well, no, my outfit's fabulous. I'm not going to accept that, right? You can you can say, no, I don't want that because you have that critical faculty in place. Whereas when you were 
a little kid, you didn't have that. So on the topic of money, when you saw your parents fighting about money and it was just this constant stress in the family of, you know, someone spending more than the other one wants to, or there's never enough or, oh my God, how, how could you spend that much on, um, you know, the grocery run? If that is what you saw, then money and stress and fighting is now entangled. If you were told often, well, who do you think you are to want that? We don't, we don't make that kind of money. Our family's not that, that type of earner. Who do you think you are to want that outfit or want to go on that school trip or, um, all of these little things we soaked up. So now in adulthood, as you know, you get married or as you share finances with a partner um, or you just begin to start paying your own bills and you start to manage your own money, all of that stuff is still there. And for many of us, we weren't taught an empowering way to call money forward, hold money, invest money. For many of us, money was always a top, it was taboo, one, so we didn't grow up talking about money with our friends. Um, and two, many of us, money was a stress in our family. There was never enough or there wasn't enough to do the things that we wanted to do. And we hold all of that deep down. So even if consciously, you know, you've got the money in the bank and you can see that you've got, you know, plenty to pay your rent, pay your bills pay, you know, grocery, Whole Foods run, you still might have this deep belief that says there's never enough. So for example, if the opportunity to go on a girl's trip comes up, you have this knot in your stomach and you say, I can't do it. I can't afford it. Or what if I spend that money and it doesn't come back? So there are infinite ways that these unconscious beliefs can begin to manifest in our day to day. And those are just a couple of them. And that's really where um, we have to take responsibility and be at cause knowing we can change it. That's what I love about my work and the field of NLP. We have the power to not just say, oh, all right. Yep. My family didn't grow up with that, but we have the power to break those generational beliefs and break those stories, not only for ourselves, but generations to come for those who feel called, um, you know, to, to have babies one day. So that's a few different ways this you know, money wounding can show up in our day to day lives as adults. Yeah. Oh, that was so powerful. And it was so funny because I mean, you and I have had a conversation about money stories in the past and about totally. how generational trauma can be passed down the lineage. And it's our responsibility to break that cycle before passing, you know, our own money stories or our new money stories as, as we're untangling our unconscious from our conscious and saying, right. Okay. This just because my parents were fighting about money and there was one spender or one saver or the operating from a scarcity mindset place totally. doesn't mean I have to pass that on to my children and into my own relationship with my partner, because it is our responsibility to change that narrative about how we operate with money. And one of the things that uh, we talked about is looking at money as if it's a friend. And mm -hmm. what has your relationship been like with money in the past? Have you been ignoring them? Have you been neglecting them? Not talking about them because, you know, it was taboo, as you said. I mean, statistics show that people would actually rather talk about sex then they would then they would really? talk about money yeah wow and and that is just crazy to me 
you know? Yes, so me too. Me too. I love what you said uh, there about the generation, breaking the generational cycle and, and trauma because so many people experience this. And this is actually one of the things that I go through in the second session with my clients in, in my Your Financial Future program. We talk about money stories and I get them to share their respective money stories. And often their partner has not heard their money story. Mm. So on that point, how does your own money mindset, because this is a largely entrepreneurial audience that listens to this podcast, how does your own money mindset or your own money story impact the way you coach and your client's ability to earn as well? Mm. If that if that makes sense. Totally. This is really good. So this can be applied to the relationship with your clients. Um, but you, we can also kind of apply this just to like relationship dynamics as well. There's kind of two, two points to this that I want to, I want to be sure that I, I don't forget. Let's start with the first. And if the other one comes back to me, it'll come back to me. So there's a saying in my world and the trainings that I've done throughout the years that says we can only take a client as far as we believe they're willing to go. So I'll say that again, because this one like rattled me to my core. Mm -hmm. We can only take our clients as far as we believe they're willing to go. And the reason for this is because perception is projection. So if we have our money stuff of our ability to earn and keep money, our ability to uh, effectively manage that money, our ability to earn more money, our um, beliefs around our worthiness to call forward more money and hire teams and invest in that vac the vacations, all of that stuff left untouched, left unhealed, left unloved, we then unconsciously project onto our clients. So I'll share a quick story here. Several years ago, a client came to me and said, Michaela, I want to launch this package, this program um, within her business. She was a consultant and she wanted to launch, offer this new program to her audience. And she said, I want to, I want it to be a $50,000 launch. That's the number. I want to make $50,000 from this. At the time, I had never had a $50,000 launch. So unconsciously, one, I felt restricted. I felt like my chest tightened. I felt panic, like, oh my God, how can I help her do this? Which red flag, right? Right away. And two, my own stories around what was possible for me, I then wanted to unconsciously project onto her. I wanted to say things like, oh, well, that's your first launch. Maybe we should bring that back a little bit. Maybe we should shoot for a 10K. Maybe we should shoot for just five clients, right? I wanted to project my own stuff around what I believed was possible for me onto her. And luckily, because of these tools, I was able to catch myself in that act and say, okay, hold up a second. I got to do some work on myself so that I can hold this client of mine in her highest expression. I need to believe so boldly, so fiercely in her ability to earn whatever amount of money that she feels called to earn. My stories, my upbringing with money, my awareness around what's possible for me should have nothing to do with this, this client of mine. And I might sneeze. So bear with me if that comes through, hopefully, hopefully it passes. So the ability 
to earn within my awareness, within my model of the world, I then projected onto her, even though her money mindset clearly at the time was way beyond mine. If she thought my very first launch, I'm going to call forward $50,000. Who's to say that she couldn't do that, right? Who's to say, of course that's possible. So it's important that we do one of two things, right? We either clean up our own stuff because when we clean up our own money stories and when we begin to feel empowered with our own money dynamic, our ability to earn infinite amounts of money, our ability to hold and manage effectively this money, we then project that onto our world. So now we start to, you and I can have a conversation. If my money mindset is so dialed in, so empowered, so embodied, I'm going to hold you in that same attitude. So when, you know, if you tell me I'm scaling to X amount of dollars next year, I'll say, heck yes, you are, because I'm no longer projecting my weird stuff onto you. Right. So that's the first step. And I think that's, that's really what we all should do. Like let's heal our own stuff so that we can hold our clients, our friends, our colleagues, our team, our partners in that highest expression in that most abundant expression. Right. And then two, the other option is to become aware so like for me in that example, I was aware and I noticed, whoa, 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 here I am projecting my stuff onto her. So when you begin to understand the way our our inner world affects our outer world, um, you can you can catch yourself in that and know when you're maybe halting someone's progress or when you're maybe projecting your own stuff onto your clients and you can you know, pause and you can take a moment and you can um, really be, I don't like to use the word careful, but I will use it here. You can really begin to be careful around the unconscious caps that you're giving to your clients when you understand what's going on there. But I do think for us all, like just do the money work yourself, like try it on, heal your stuff, release those limiting beliefs so that one, you can go out there and thrive. And then two, you can project that new, beautiful, abundant attitude on your clients as well. Did that answer your question? I know I kind of rambled. No, that was, that was perfect because, um, it's interesting actually with a client that I was working with yesterday, we were talking about the difference between a scarcity mindset and an abundance growth mindset and how that can show up differently in your life. So for example, You could have an abundance mindset when it comes to your business and you can say, I want to do this launch. I want to do, you know, I'm targeting this number. It's way out of my comfort zone. But then in your personal finances, you could actually have a scarcity mindset or coming from. So some people don't understand the, the full definition of scarcity mindset, but it really means coming from a place of lack. So thinking that you never have enough. Right. And so in their personal life, let's say, for example, they do have that $50,000 launch and they crush it and maybe their costs of the launch are only 10,000. So they've profited 40 grand and they hoard it as if to say, well, I don't deserve this money, mm. so I'm not going to actually spend it. And then they don't spend on things like coaching, business expansion, maybe a holiday for the first time in 3 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's almost as if they feel that you know, yes, they, they hit their target, but they're, they're unworthy of that success. So they hoard it and and don't want to enjoy the, enjoy the money and allow themselves to enjoy or expand further because they trap themselves in. I only deserve that 50,000. I can't go to the next level. And then 
my next launch will be a hundred thousand because this is where I cap myself. So it's kind of interesting because we can, even though we may operate in a place of abundance in some aspects, we can actually be operating in a place of scarcity in other aspects. And so, so good. Yeah. I think it's what you said was, was so, so relevant, especially to anybody who is working in the online space or self-employed, not necessarily just coaches, but even real estate agents, for example, totally. who are completely commission-based. I've got a large totally. network of real estate agents, mortgage brokers. Um, so I think that that is also relevant to them, right? About what they Absolutely. think their client can reasonably afford or or that kind of thing. Totally. So when it comes to these types of discussions, let's just touch on when we're working with clients, what does it mean to respect the other person's model of the world when it comes to relationships, business, work, career, et cetera? Totally. Well, I think it's really what we're talking about here. When we are working with someone, and this could be like in a client dynamic, or this could be, you know, talking about money with your partner, um, money impacts us all. It's literally like how we exchange energy, goods and services and ideas. It literally impacts us all. And because of the, the lack of the critical faculty, because we were just these walking sponges growing up, I might have soaked up a really beautiful money story. I might have seen my parents who were, they. there are three aspects to money, right? Our ability to receive it, our ability to hold it, and then our ability to invest and to, to spend it. So I might have seen and modeled and witnessed a really empowering dynamic. So as I move into adulthood, as I begin to generate money, I now know how to hold it. I know how to manage it. I feel really empowered when I spend it, right? But if my partner, on the other hand, grew up watching parents fighting about it all the time, this scarcity mindset that we're talking about, never enough, having to hoard it, having to hold it. What if I spend it and it never comes back to me? Well, then he's going to grow up and he's going to be behaving and treating money in the same way. And I'm sh I have been there, right? Because me and my partners, mm -hmm. our upbringing around money was wildly different in the beginning of us you know, combining finances and the beginning of us coming together with our numbers, it was a thing. It was a major thing of constant arguing. Why would you spend money on that? Why, why would you think that we have that much to spend when, you know, one of us thinks there's money there, whereas the other is thinking, but that's to save, but that's to hold on to, right? It can create so much conflict. So whether we're talking about um, money in regards to our partnerships or just communicating with our clients, understanding, I say often, we're just these little kids in big bodies. No one told us what to do with these unconscious programs. No one told us that we had the say in even changing them. So instead of looking at the client or looking at the uh, your partner, looking at a friend and thinking, well, why would you think this way? How could they not think that way? How could they not if that is what they modeled? So understanding and appreciating and respecting the other person's model of the world is realizing that they are this little child trapped in this adult's body. And this little child saw what it saw, modeled what it modeled, soaked up like a sponge what it soaked up. So of course they are the way they are. And in a world that's so polarizing right now and so controversial, you're either black or white or this or that, 
I believe this conversation is so important to have because it can be really easy for us to think badly or judge someone else for having a different opinion than us. But when we realize they probably only have that opinion because that's the opinion that they modeled or that's the opinion that they were told they should have, we can actually begin to have deep compassion and understanding. We don't have to agree with it. That's something some of my students will be like, well, what do you mean I have to I have to like it? No, no, no. We don't have to agree <laughs> with that person's opinion or model or reality, but we can respect it, right? We can maybe understand it by realizing that they really are a, a byproduct of their environment unless they've done the work, right? Unless they've cut those cords, release that stuff and taken back their power in regards to their beliefs, their mindset, their actions, right? And most people haven't. And all of us listening to this, I'm sure you're on that journey right now. But, you know, in real life, right? When you go out and you meet people, most people they don't they don't do the work. They don't understand that they are the way they are because of their upbringing or because of what they saw or modeled. But when we can understand that, You'll be amazed at the next level conversations that begin to, um, you know, be had within your teams, be within your partnership, within your clients. We can now really get curious and compassionate instead of, why don't you think the way that I think, right? So that's really what respecting the other person's model of the world is really about, just like getting curious with it and not agreeing, but respecting it because we know where it came from. We know why they are the way they are. Yeah. Yeah. That was so on point because I was actually having this conversation on the weekend about how it's it's funny that you said this because I actually recorded a podcast episode yesterday, which is going to go live next week about feeling judged about your financial decisions based on other people's opinions of you. Mm. And it's so dead on there because other people will judge you and not just about money decisions, about what you wear, about you know, where you live or about what car you drive or all these different things. People will always judge your decision-making based on the lens that they see their own life with, Mm -hmm. based on their own mindset about their own reality, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's about your weight or their weight or anything like that. And it's interesting because I actually felt quite triggered last week because I was feeling judged by people that were close to me. And I did this podcast yesterday because I was like, I need to release this because other people's opinions are not my responsibility. Mm. Other people's opinions of me and what I do is not my responsibility. And knowing that and not feeling defensive or not feeling judged because we are understanding that their judgment, whether it's communicated to us or to a friend or something else, you know, whether it's gossip or whatnot is them seeing our life through their lens and through their own reality and how they've been brought up and what their decision-making is is based on and about maybe their own insecurities, maybe their own limiting beliefs. And so when we take that personally, um, have you read the book, The Four Agreements? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things is never take anything personally, right? And it's so true because it's like, we don't know what that other person has been through. We don't know what money was like growing up for them or what their current reality is, maybe with their partner or with their kids or, or something like this. And 
I just love what you said there about knowing that it's okay that everybody has their own story, mm-hmm. right? And and digging into asking questions from a place of compassion and empathy. And this is one of the things that I wanted to work on with you because I said that, you know, this is something, this is an area that I need to focus on rather than projecting my own beliefs onto my clients mm-hmm. about what they should be doing. It's it's really getting into that conscious conversation. It's like, okay, well, what is driving this decision? Absolutely. Absolutely. Where does this come from? You know? So that being said, when it comes to working with our clients and uh, even as coaches, I know one of the things that has come up for me personally is this concept of imposter syndrome. And mm-hmm. I think that was something we even talked about on our first on our first um, call together is the the concept of imposter syndrome. It's when it when it comes to helping our clients have these breakthroughs, for example, as you mentioned with your client, this fifty thousand dollars launch, and you were like, "Well, I've never done a fifty thousand dollars launch myself, mm-hmm. so how can I help them get there?" Can we touch on that for a minute, and and how you assist clients with this concept of imposter syndrome? Because I think that that is something that so many of us feel like maybe we're not qualified or educated or bring enough to the table because we ourselves haven't done that or experienced it or achieved it? Yeah, such a good question. So in the entrepreneurial world, at least from my state of awareness, I, through the years, have seen so much push on start before you're ready, figure it out as you go jump and the wings will grow on the way down. You only have to be a few steps ahead of your client in order to help them. And there's some massive truth to this. There absolutely is. And I believe the the truth comes from the fact that many of us don't feel qualified, not because we're not qualified, but because we have these unconscious beliefs from growing up, from our parents, from school that made us feel like more is better, more credentials, more better grade, better hair, better clothes, more money, right? All these things. Many of us hold this deep unconscious belief that says, I'm never enough as is, I constantly need something outside of myself, right? And then I'll be good. But if you constantly need something outside of yourself, well, you're going to constantly be seeking something outside of yourself. So I, I, the spirit of the message, start before you're ready, I think is so pure. And I think there's some truth to it because so many of us have that, that deep wound. Now, something that I've seen problematic with that statement of start before you're ready in particular, in in specifics to the coaching industry, is that people will actually start before they're ready. Like they will get out there and start trying to welcome clients in before they are ready to hold safe space. And I want to make the distinction here between coach and teacher and consultant. A coach is someone who's going to hold space for a a structure of something. So most life coaches, success coaches, money coaches, they have a structure to success. It's a system. It's a process. I'm not teaching my clients a new skill. I'm taking them through a structure to success. Whereas a consultant or a teacher, they've got content to give. They need to teach the client something. They need to, I think of a copywriter. 
they're teaching the clients how to do copywriting. So there are lots of copywriting coaches. Well, no, they're actually a consultant. They're actually helping people with the, the stuff, right? Whereas coaches, they're going to be more structure focused. So I think that's a really important definition for anyone who's looking to get into the coaching world. Just because you are a few steps ahead or you've lost 20 pounds or you've paid off all your debt or you feel happier in your skin, get really clear. Are you a coach or are you a consultant? And many consultants are calling themselves coaches. And then when their client all of a sudden unleashes some childhood traumas and is, you know, sobbing uncontrollably on a coaching call, they're like, Oh my God, what do I do? I, I was just going to teach you how to show up on social media. Like I, I didn't know all this was going on. Right. So it's really important um, to get clear on your boundaries, to get clear on your scope of practice. This is something I teach heavily in all of my certifications. What is your scope of practice? Even a traditional life coach, they're not a therapist. So what's your line, right? Are you forward facing or like forward facing work, like focus on the future, focus on the goals, focus on the action, or are you going deep into some childhood stuff? And if you are, do you feel ready? Not, oh, I healed my child. I've, I've talked to women through the years. They've literally gotten on phone calls with me and they've said things like, I have um, overcome certain abuses and now I want to help other people overcome their abuse. And my question is always, do you have a certification? Do you have a license? Do you have um, some sort of education to support you in this? Oh, no, no, no. I did it myself so I can help others. In my world, red flag. We don't do that. <laughs> like that is a hard no, because there's there's so much complexity to the human being and to the healing journey. And if you aren't ready, that's okay. And I don't think, especially in those kind of gray areas of abuse and assault and those types of things. I don't, I don't think we have to feel ashamed. It's just that we don't know what we don't know. So I think it's really important as the online world of entrepreneurship is exploding, which is so beautiful. And I believe that coaches, consultants, entrepreneurs who are creating new ideas and innovating in new ways, like we're changing the world for the better. And I think in this explosion, be and walk in the highest of integrity. Know when it's imposter syndrome. The true definition of imposter syndrome is despite all lack of evidence, all lack of experience, all lack of knowledge, you still don't feel qualified. So that's the true definition of imposter syndrome. Are you truly qualified? Do you have that structure to success? Do you know how to guide someone through that structure to success? Or do you have the experience? Or do you have the knowledge? Cool. If you have that, check those boxes. It's probably just imposter syndrome and you got to do a little work on the worthiness to receive that, right? But if you think, hmm, well, I read, you know, a book or two and I just listened to some podcasts and now I'm ready to go out and life coach. Well, do you feel embodied? That's my, my next question. Do you feel so embodied in that? Because remember, we can only take a client as far as we believe they're willing to go. So if you are not feeling embodied in your own walk, in your own medicine, in your own gifts, well, what are you going to project onto the client? So do I think you need a certification? No, I don't think you need one. Um, do I think you need a degree? No, I don't think you need one. Do I think that sometimes that helps? Absolutely. I think that helps because sometimes that allows you to then feel embodied, not because you need another thing because you're seeking, but simply because 
like I said, you don't know what you, you don't know. So I know that wasn't like a black and white answer because it really, I do believe is a personal choice and it's, it's an integrity thing on the inside for each coach, each entrepreneur, each consultant to really choose for themselves. But I think it's a conversation that we really should start having. I used to be that coach that said, start before you're ready and really understanding what that could actually mean for someone. Um, it, it could be harmful for the client, but also harmful for you. If you don't feel congruent with welcoming someone into your energy because you are like, I don't know what I would do. How would I actually help them? Do I have a program? What if they come to me with this problem and I don't know how to fix it? If, if these are these questions, you're holding a big energetic wall up to receiving those clients. So not only are you going to struggle, you're going to invest however many tens of thousands of dollars in business coaches that tell you, just keep going, start before you're ready. It'll work one day. It's not working because you just don't feel congruent with your service. And that's okay. That's okay. Like learn what you need to learn and then go be congruent and then offer those services. So it really does always, always, always come back to embodied leadership, embodied um, in your craft and feeling so congruent with welcoming people in. And that's going to look different for everyone. Um, but I'm so happy that we talked about this because I really think it's a conversation that we need to have more of. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head there because I know in my own personal experience. So I think one thing is that we're seeing a huge shift towards this online coaching career path, whether yeah. it's life coaching, NLP coaching, financial coaching. I'm seeing financial coaches pop up left, right, and center. And it's like, oh, it's just this person that's made a lot of money and whether it's crypto or investing or whatever. And then all of a sudden they're calling themselves a financial coach. And for me, it's, it's tough to see sometimes because I've spent nine years of, you know, post-grad education yep. studying finance and was a certified financial planner and was working with high net worth clients. And, you know, I, I know in my ability to coach people into transformations with their finances. And one of the things that I originally started coming up with the concept in 2020 about being a financial coach, but I actually had this imposter syndrome, even despite my ability to, you know, have the technical resources, Totally. but I exactly that I was like, can I get a client an actual transformation or do I need to do the work first? Hmm. And I did a, I did a mastermind earlier this year in February, start February till May which was about how to be a coach. And we went through the first two months of having our own transformation Beautiful. before we went into how to get our clients an actual transformation. Totally. And I swear that was one of the best investments that I've made because I myself hadn't done the work. Mm -hmm. I didn't look into the shadow work. I didn't look into my limiting beliefs. I didn't have the forgiveness work and money stories myself. I had done it for clients, but I hadn't got, gone through the transformation. Totally. And I think once we've done that work, and as you say, you know, we put these limiting beliefs on ourselves based on how far we think that they can come based on the work that we've actually done yeah. in our own journey and in our own healing and what we think is possible for our life before we can start working with clients and getting them into a place of expansion, growth mindset, abundance, and where was I going with this? It was basically like 
you know, I had my own imposter syndrome pre doing this work. And when we look at getting our clients these results, I think it's really important that if you are seeking out a coach, find somebody that you resonate with because you know that they've either done the work, there's social proof or testimonials that of clients that are in similar positions to you that they've directly worked with. And I think there is something to be said about the qualifications because anybody these days can call themselves a coach. There's yeah. no there's no governing body around coaches. There's a governing body around accountants, around financial planners, around psychologists, around doctors. And I had a conversation with a doctor recently who said, well, what is, who's holding you accountable as a coach to do it doesn't the, exist. it doesn't <laughs> exist, right? The continued education, the, the training, whatever yeah. it is. And that's why working with a coach that you know is experienced in their own transformation and committed to their own learning by investing in things like masterminds, trainings, doing, you know, working with a coach in a different area than themselves. I think it's hugely important as well, because as you mentioned, somebody can just say, oh, I lost the weight. So now I'm going to coach people on how to do weight loss. But then they don't realize that that person might actually have an eating disorder. Yeah. Very dangerous. Right. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Yes. So I'm glad we talked about that. I'm glad we talked about your um, your way of looking at this because it is it is something to be aware of and and you know where do you see that this comes up for clients that you've worked with in the sense of do you see people running before they can walk and I, I love that you brought up about not you know not starting before you're ready. Because I think that a lot of people do that. Yeah. And how do, how do you approach that with your clients? Because I know you work a lot with coaches. Totally. So this is something I'll be so transparent. I wasn't always crystal clear on myself. Um, when I got into the coaching industry, I, I had years of, when I got into the life coaching industry, I had years of coaching under my belt in the fitness world. I had certifications. I had worked with clients for seven, eight years. I, I was so embodied in that. It was slightly different, right? But I was always being that inner coach, the right, e even within the context of my fitness clients. So I was there and I, I was embodied. Did I have a life coaching certification? No, but I was embodied in it. And I felt completely congruent, completely aligned with welcoming clients in for an exchange of money. It felt good. It felt equal. It felt right. I knew that I could support them. And I want to be sure that we speak to those of you. I know your heart and I know that you, those of you who are maybe earlier on in this walk, you want to help people and your intentions are so pure and so true. And I know Sandra, like you, you were like, yes, keep going, like keep doing it. We need you. So I don't want this conversation to deter you or make you feel like, like can I curse on this? I almost said a bad word. Um, no, you could curse. Okay. <laughs> I don't want you to be like, fuck, what am I? I've been investing all this money into business coaches and sales stuff. And I don't want you to feel like, you know, that's wrong. Like those are, those are great investments and you will need to make those. But if there's a part of you deep down inside that questions, can I help this person? And we're not like sprinkling magic dust on our clients. I want to be sure that's clear as well. 
coaching, I believe it's 100%, 100%. I show up 100% as your coach and my client shows up 100% in their lives and stays fully rooted in their power. So I want to be sure that's clear as well. But if you question Mm, what what would I what would I do on the first call? Like, what are we gonna talk about for sixty minutes? What happens if they have a problem and I don't know and I don't know what to say or if I don't have the right advice? Right? Even that question, like, what if I don't have the right advice? Someone who's trained to be a coach knows, like, we're actually not supposed to give advice. Like, we're literally not supposed to give advice. So those are questions that you don't you don't know what you don't know. So just be really real with yourself. And to your question, I early on in my days, and I've, I've received sales training from people, and I know they're doing the best that they can, but they would tell me like, invite in everyone, everyone that you speak to, invite them in to work with you. You can help them, help them. And the truth is you and I, and all of you listening to this, you can help anyone, but should you, should I help? The person build a business if she's not fully embodied in her mm -hmm. medicine, in her craft, should I help that person? And at, because of outside influences and sales and money and right, I felt like, okay, I, I can't help them. Let me invite them in. But what happens is if I'm supporting them on the money-making side before they felt fully congruent with their practice, with their customer journey, with the product that they were selling, they could have a million dollar marketing plan and it's not going to work because they're not in integrity with the product itself. So the invitation to all of you who have maybe not seen the success yet in your business, or you don't really know what your first investment would be, really tune in. And the question is, do I feel in, in integrity taking someone's money? Mm -hmm. Do I feel in, in integrity? And if yeah. the answer is hell yes, then keep going. If it's, I don't know, then it's one of two things. We need to do some inner work to feel really worthy of it. Maybe one of three things or two, you need to learn what you don't know, a certification or a degree or a class or a combination of the both, right? That's, mm -hmm. you know, option three. Maybe it's a, a little bit of both. Um, and there's no shame in it. Investing in your education, investing in a a training and a certification in a degree in a class like those are business investments someone who wants to be a doctor they don't just say i'm going to be a doctor they invest however many tens of thousands of dollars maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars i have no idea but they invest a lot of money to learn what they need to learn to become a doctor and exactly what sandra said there's not a, a regulating field in the coaching industry. There's not a governing body. So it's really up to us as leaders, all of us are leaders to say, I know this and I can help with this and I don't know this, therefore I can't help with this. And if I wanna help with this, I'm gonna go learn it. Like I'm not gonna coach someone on their relationships. I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of couples dynamics and sex and whatnot, I don't know that. So I'm not gonna support someone with that. If I felt called to that, I would go get a certification right? So food, nutrition, just because you've lost 20 pounds, exactly what you said. Like who knows what's really going on under the surface with that, that client. So I think it's, it should be part of the investing in yourself conversation. And I think it's just an honest check-in. So, you know, the clients that have come forward that, um, 
have said, I don't know. My question is, do you feel congruent? Do you feel an integrity helping people taking their money? If the answer is no, I, I will point them to another direction. Um, I'll point them to my certification or I'll point them to another certification that I feel would better suit them. Um, and that's my truth, right? That's how, how mm -hmm. I believe about it. There are many coaches out there, strategists that would say, start before you're ready, get going on the business stuff, learn some stuff later, you know enough now. And that's cool. And that if that feels congruent for you, then rock that. Um, but I think if you're hanging out on this conversation, you're, you're probably understanding, you know, what I'm putting out there for you. So that's really how I look at that. Does that answer your question? Yep, totally. And Perfect. one thing, one thing that I did at the start, because as you mentioned, I didn't feel comfortable charging money because it was something new for me. Mm -hmm. So when I first launched my financial coaching business, I actually did a bit of a survey with some of my friends who were in that category of my ideal client. Yeah. And I think one of the things that when you are becoming a coach or starting a new business, being really clear on who your ideal client is, is one of the most important lessons that I totally. learned in my coaching program, because we want to help everybody because <laughs> we will obviously want to make money and we want to get clients, but not everybody is our ideal client. And when I became clear on who my ideal client was, I actually offered my program for free to a couple who was in my ideal client category. And I went through each session one by one and adapted my program and created my program in their course mm -hmm. so that I could understand what are the questions that come up for real clients? What do I need to add a session in between to address something that's coming up for for people. Then it was like, I essentially developed my curriculum based on the outcome of these test clients. And in return, I got their feedback on how the sessions were going. So if you are creating a program and you've never done this before, if you've either worked with a coach and you want to mirror what they do, or just like, don't be greedy at the start and just work with a couple test clients or you know, charge them way under what you would normally charge them just so that you can get some experience in what are some of the things that come up in what you do that you need to be prepared for so that you can address those with future clients. That was one of the things that I found really helpful for me. Totally. But, but yeah, I mean, there is definitely a level of training and ongoing training that we as coaches, uh, you know, need to do. And just in general, people look at personal development and, and because this is, I know there's not only coaches. And if, if you're still listening to this podcast and you're not a coach, I can, I congratulate you, but <laughs> there's a certain level of investment that we as humans need to understand that, you know, we will pay a therapist, we will pay a personal trainer, we will pay a chiropractor and all these different people who are professionals in their areas of their life. But what we often neglect is paying for investing in our own personal development and our own personal growth about things like removing these limiting beliefs or working on our past money traumas and things like that. So when you invest in yourself with a coach, that investment will pay back in spades because it might unleash this ability for you to then create this abundance mindset in some other area of your life because you're removing these limiting beliefs that nobody else really works on. I mean, I've had a therapist for years and we don't remove limiting beliefs. 
we talk about past traumas or things that have come up in a family or, or whatnot. And I love therapy. So I'm a huge advocate for therapy, mm-hmm, but it wasn't until I started coaching that I saw what was possible for my life and the roadmap to get there. Totally. Totally. I say often money equals time equals energy. It's just mm-hmm. an exchange of things. So when we're really looking at what we desire and what we're looking to create. And I could so be biased, right? This is like my career. It's my line of work. Mm -hmm. But I believe when we can release what is no longer serving us on the inside, we allow space, we create space to then receive because we no longer have this clunk, this, this, uh, this gunk inside of us that is really holding up that, that wall. If we believe I'm not worthy of that. Nope. Never will make that much money. Nope. Not for me. Oh, that looks cool, but I can never have that. Well, then you never will. Then you never will. Um, and this is definitely not my work specifically, but in many of the studies I'm studying Dr. Joe Spenna's work right now, um, disease is just dis ease in the body. So what do we think dis-ease is? It's feeling bad, feeling lousy, not feeling good enough, feeling um, anxious, shame, depressed, yeah. shame, guilt, anger, fear, sadness, the list goes on, right? It's just dis-ease in the body. Well, what happens when we hold on to that for too long? Many times it does manifest in physical disease, physical manifestations of blocked energy in the system. So investing in your personal growth, I know every coach, like we're coaches, right? So it's like invest in us, right? And that's, (laughs) we're saying that. And we're also talking about like from personal experience, what opens up on the other side, what opens up for us when we really begin to heal and love. It's just that we're just loving on those parts of us inside that did not receive that love that it so needed back then. And when we feel this wholeness and when we feel this completeness, we no longer have to chase it, push for it, wish for it, pray for it. It's just ours. We're no, Dr. Joe always says, we try right now, like without the work, we try to change matter with matter. We try to force it. We try to pull it towards us. We try to fight it. We try to compete for it. But when we just know we're worthy of it and we, when we just know, and we vibrate at the essence of love and enoughness and abundance through all of this work that we're talking about, pretty soon you just look around and that's your life. Your life just is abundance. Your life just is freedom. Your life just is joy because you are that. Just Mm. that unconditionally, not because you have a business, like the business, the money, the success, the opportunities, it's a byproduct of that feeling good. So that's why I'm just wildly passionate about the inner work, honestly, more than the business coaching and the social media. Like I've done that for many years, but the real magic is when we just go inside and when we love on those parts and pieces within that just need it. They just, they just need a hug. Like that's literally all it is. And when we do that, that's when the magic on the outside begins to manifest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. And I just reflecting back on one of the very first conversations that you and I had that has stuck with me. You said something to me. You said, well, you asked me, are you energetically available for Mm. more clients? And I was like, oh, 
No, I wasn't at the, when you asked me that I wasn't because I was like, there's so many loose ends that I needed to tie up and get organized in certain areas of my life. And I was, you know, burning the candle at both ends. And I was like, you're totally right. I am not energetically available for more clients. So what do I need to do to get to that place? Because our energy gives off that vibration of, mm. I am open, totally. I am ready, you know, and, and that was just one of the most powerful things anybody said to me. Yeah. And it just, it was just such an eye opener for my business. So I know that you have something special for our audience today. Mm-hmm. Let's share that because this has been such an amazing interview. I'm so grateful. I feel like I just got a one-on-one coaching session with you. <laughs> so what do you have to share with our audience and our listeners? Oh, you're awesome. This was so much fun, like so nourishing in every way. I'm super grateful for the opportunity to just like connect with you and your beautiful community. So I will be hosting a completely free workshop here in the next couple of weeks. I don't know when exactly this episode is going to drop, but there will be a link below and it's going to be a conversation on how to be a coach, not how to launch your coaching business or how to show up online, but how to everything that we've talked about today, coach or consultant, this can apply to as well. Um, How to hold that safe space for others, how to know, is it imposter syndrome or is it something else? What happens if a client, you know, freaks out on a coaching call and is crying and you don't know what to do and all of these questions. What happens if a client's not getting results? The questions that we all have that no one wants to talk about, no one wants to talk about their clients that that don't make progress, right? And it happens. I'll just say it like it happens <laughs> and it happens <laughs> probably more than we know. So I'm going to be answering those questions and really just diving deep into how we can walk in the highest integrity as coaches and as leaders as we head into the new year. So um, if it's not already scheduled, um, there will just be a wait list. It, you're either going to see a wait list or you're going to see like a date and a time. And for anyone who can't, watch the live. There'll be a replay sent out. Um, But I'd be super excited for anyone who feels called to join us on that. I will definitely be on that call. So I will link it in the description. I will also link Michaela's contact details. So on Instagram, you can find her at Michaela McNatt. So that's M-I-C-K-A-E-L-A-M-C-N-A-T-T. And she will also be... um, posting the link in our description for anybody that wants to jump on that training and your magnify more business. Let's talk about that for a minute. So magnify more is your NLP coaching certification. I know that you're in one of your programs right now. You've got an amazing retreat down in Sedona happening in January. Is that program full at the moment? We do have a few more seats, so you will definitely awesome. have to you have to hustle a little bit to get the requirements down. But we do have a few seats left for anyone who's like, yes, would love to get in there. We'd be honored to have you. Um, and we also have options to become certified completely virtually or for our next retreat, which will be in April. So um, you can meet me flesh and bone in person for your seven day training, or you can become certified completely online. So um, yeah, we'll have. I'll, I have a link for that too. So we could put Perfect. that there as well. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was so great. I am so glad we met through this mastermind and Me I too. cannot wait to continue our relationship. So thank you again. And I will make sure that we've got all of Michaela's details for you guys to check her out and we'll see you soon. See ya. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.joe. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey. 